Beginning July 1st, the Lesbian, Bisexual, Gay, and Transgender Resource Center, or LBGTRC, within the Division of Student Affairs and Services at Michigan State University, will be renamed the Gender and Sexuality Campus Center. Jesse Beal is the center's director. Our center is a student-centered campus resource that works to celebrate, affirm, and empower LGBTQA plus members of the Michigan State University community. We are um, the hub of LGBTQA plus life on campus, a home away from home, and also a pit stop for snacks and sleeping on the couch uh, for many, many of our students. Uh, We also provide trainings, workshops, consultation services, and educational programs for all of campus. But at the end of the day, our whole job is making sure that LGBTQA plus students know that they are whole and perfect and complete exactly as they are, um, and that we celebrate who they are and everything they do on our campus and beyond. Why the name change, Jesse, and why now? We have been asking for this name change for a while. Our students have been asking for this name change for even longer. Uh, The running joke among the student population is that it's a typo of some sort. And so students love to troll us about our persistent typo in LBGT Resource Center, right? The truth of it is, is when the name was created, that the acronym was less static than it is today, right? Now there's a particular order that is more common and understood to be correct, right? Um, And that wasn't the case 15 years ago when we named our center, right? There is some mythology around that uh, part of why the B is further up in the acronym was to center bisexual folks, right? Um, And that's great. We don't want to give up that part of our mission, right? We will do the work of supporting bisexual, pansexual, and fluid communities, uh, but we think we can do that with a name that's more inclusive. In addition to this, uh, centers around the country have been moving to um, the kind of gender and sexuality or gender and sexual diversity model uh, for center names, right, to get away from the acronym because the acronym is inherently exclusive because we're always adding new vocabulary for folks to better describe their experiences of gender and sexuality, which is a good thing, right? Because LGBTQA plus people have only been talking about ourselves in public for a relatively short period of time, right? Uh, But the acronym gets longer and longer. And with that means we would have to change our name again and again. And we wanted to move away from that into something that feels more inclusive for all parts of the community, so people with all genders and sexualities. Oprah Journal is the center's assistant director. The only thing that I would maybe add um, is that this is more representative of what we do. So we talk about gender, we talk about sexuality, we uh, provide resources around exploration of gender and sexuality for our students. Um, We affirm them and we give them permission to do that exploration, to choose the words that feel best, hurt the least. Um, And we also, we we uplift them and we encourage them. So I think this actually speaks to what we do um, more so than uh, the letters could encompass and any other language can encompass. Camille Hollenquist is a student leader at the center. Well, like it's been said, the whole main goal of the center is to provide advocacy as well as inclusion for the students on campus. So broadening up, you know, the space to make sure that everyone feels like 
they do have a home there is what's super important. Um, as a student uh, worker, as well as a part-time couch resident, um, you know, I really do feel as though that this is uh, the next step um, in the future for the center, um, you know, making really big changes um, and also getting that recognition on campus as this is what we do and why it's important. Valentine McWilliams is another student involved with the center. I think one aspect of the old name that kind of vexed me that wasn't the acronym that I had never known because I was like three years old when the center was named um, is like the resource center piece because to me like the the center is like so much more than just resources you know like it actually is like the campus hub for like the queer community and so I think changing the name to reflect that makes a lot of sense and it like it makes me like maybe a little more excited about it too because like it's the campus center, you know? I, I really like it. I think the new name is awesome. And it's less confusing, which is always a plus. If you look at gender inclusive housing, changes to SIRS, the uh, student survey software, as well as ASMSU's gift of $10,000 to our unconditional love fund supporting LGBTQA plus students in crisis, we're seeing huge changes in the world of LGBTQA plus inclusion on campus. These are things that never would have been possible five or 10 years ago that are now possible. And it makes me feel hopeful for a more inclusive and equitable future for LGBTQA plus students, faculty, staff, prospective students, alumni, donors, all of us. Using a person's preferred pronouns when interacting is important to promote inclusion, so is understanding the differences between gender, sex, and sexuality. People should know that everything they've been taught about gender has been limited, um, has not included folks who have always existed in our culture and society and has gone out of its way to exclude people who have always existed in our culture and society across the world. So first there's the unlearning about what gender is. Um, it is not a binary. The gender binary actually harms so many people. Um, and well, when I say so many people, I mean everybody is limited and harmed by the gender binary, um, but especially trans and non-binary people. So, um, so that's one thing I want people to know. The next thing I want people to know is that they can unlearn and undo what has been done to them around this gender binary stuff, like they can get out of it. They just have to make the choice that, you know, you have lived one life, you only know what you know, um, but there are other folks who are living and their stories are just as valid and real as your story is. Um, and so how can you unlearn the stuff that's been given to you so that you can make more room to love and to care about people that are different from you? I feel like a lot of the time pronoun trainings are like, are super important, but not something that people often consider because they're like, oh, it's just like, it's just pronouns. I know how that works. But then like understanding how like the pronoun piece interacts with like the way that gender identity operates in our society and the way that like the gender binary is forced on people and understanding how they're not really two separate issues. The whole having pronouns thing is an extension of the whole gender in society thing. Like, it's not like trying to fit gender pronouns into some kind of binary or something, because that's like not really what it's about. And oftentimes, I think that's where some of the conversation goes, is like taking pronouns and forcing them into the like structure of gender in our society, as opposed to 
understanding that the structure of gender that we have doesn't work and then applying that framework to discussions about pronouns. I think one of the first concepts when we're looking at gender, sex, and sexuality that folks need to understand is that uh, sex and gender are not the same thing, right? So when a person is born, um, they are assigned a sex, right? Usually that occurs within the binary. And we also know that between 1 in 100 and 1 in 1,000 um, babies each year in the United States are born with one of many different intersex conditions, right? And so even sex is not stable or binary, even though we treat it as though it is, right? Sex, birth assigned based on chromosomes, hormones, DNA, right? You, the way your body is shaped, the morphology of your genitalia, right? Um, just determined by a medical professional usually, right? And that is often linked to what your legal gender ends up being marked as, right? Which is distinct from your gender. And your gender is who you are in the world, right? Um, it is identity, it's how you identify, right? It is um, how you express your gender. It is even how your gender is attributed to you in some ways, right? But the most important piece of gender is how, who you say you are, the identity term that you place on that, right? And so identity terms that around gender identity and gender that are important are terms like cisgender, transgender, woman, man, um, genderqueer, agender, uh, non-binary, two-spirit, uh, demigender, bigender, we could literally go on for the next 30 minutes, right? There are so many great words that describe people's real and true experiences. And you'll notice that I didn't use male or female because male and female are not gender terms. They're sex terms and they need to stay over there in that category. So part of the issue that a lot of campuses are facing right now is how do we accurately capture um, our student, faculty, and staff gender demographics when what we collect is actually legal sex or legal gender, right? Something we're dealing with on campus right now, too. Um, so that's gender. And then there's sexuality, which I like to think of as the who, what, where, when, why, and how of how you have sex or not. Right. So all of it, like, you know, your sexual practice, your sexual attraction, your sexual behavior and your sexual identity, the identity terms you place on who you are as a sexual being in the world or not. Right. And so terms that are best associated with sexuality or sexual identity are terms like, you know, asexual, uh, bisexual, pansexual, queer, heterosexual. And, and that's a beautiful thing. Right. Because. For so long, um, the the this and the that, the the either or thinking, the black and white thinking that we're as humans, we're so much more nuanced and um, flexible and dynamic than we are given language for, than we are expected to be. And so it's so it's beautiful to have so many words because you can choose the one that feels good, hurts the least. Um, and you can go through the world being exactly who you are instead of what someone has told you you're supposed to be. Um, Jesse, I really appreciate you talking about gender attribution because we do that to each other all the time. Um, when someone comes up to you and says, excuse me, where's the restroom? And you look at the shape of their body, you look at the length of their hair, um, any accessories, the clothing, that sort of thing. And you say things like, well, the men's bathroom is over there based on what I just decided your gender is. Um, and you don't know what that person's gender is because that's what they tell themselves in their minds. That's what they feel in their hearts. And so that's one, that's another thing that I would love for people to know 
um, that we do to each other that we can actually stop doing that can actually help so many people. I think it's really important to unlearn and then relearn all the things that you know about gender and sexuality. It's like unlocking um, a part of your brain and like reprogramming it to function in a different way. Um, but um, I think it's really important and really special when you get to the point where you get to decide and dictate, you know, who you want to be and how you want to show up in the world and understanding that you don't have to be locked in or tied to any specific label or box. And I think that's really what is the beauty behind gender and sexuality because you have the freedom to choose. Um, and I think that choice is very, very much important, um, especially when it um, comes to pronouns as well. Um, because a lot of times people get stuck on the, uh, the language or like the grammar of pronouns when the English, the English language or language in general is made up so it's like, <laughs> you really don't have to be, you know, stuck by that. Um, so like I said, like the process of like we rewiring your brain um, to reach that new level of understanding, um, super cool. I mean, I love everything you just said. I really, I love everything you just said. And like so much of what deepening our understanding of gender and sexuality is all about is exactly what you've said. It's about unlearning and learning, right? It's also about coming back to who we are as a species, right? Because within the biology, there is an amazing amount of diversity, right? Um, and we are told for, because of values, because of religion, because of, um, you know, history, uh, that we are told exactly who we do get to be and don't get to be, right? And part of what we're saying in creating a world that is more inclusive for people of all genders and sexualities is you should be whoever you are, right? Whoever you are is wonderful. It's fantastic. It's great. And we affirm that. And we just want you to go have your best life, right? And be as free as you can to be exactly who you are, right? Um, and I love that. So related to sexuality, but distinct from is the concept of romantic identity. So romantic identity is the identity language that a person uses to describe themselves as a romantic being in the world. And a lot of folks have romantic identity and sexual identity collapsed, but the truth of it is, is you may have romantic attractions that are different than your sexual attractions, right? Uh, you may be interested in snuggling with some people and interested in having sex with other people, right? Um, I think my favorite, one of my favorite things Oprah has ever said is about how you d distinguish the two. Uh, would you mind sharing about your subway order? <laughs> yes. Um, so romanticness for me is knowing my subway order and having someone come through the door and say, hey, I was driving by Subway. It's around dinner time. I know the exact things you want on your sandwich. And I got that for you. That's romance. Um, and then sexuality is if I want to have sex with you later tonight. Maybe I don't. Maybe I do. Um, and, and those things are different. They're different feelings. But a lot of folks, uh, society at large, kind of conflates them. And then there's a lot of turmoil that happens because folks are like, hey, I want to have sex with you, but I don't really want you to be there having breakfast with me in the morning. And now we're like fighting and we're wrestling through this relationship because I don't have the language to articulate that with you. Um, I, th that was left out of sex ed. That was left out of, you know, growing conversations with my community. And so now I'm kind of lost or, you know, vice versa. I don't want to have sex with you, but I want to, I want to have breakfast with you and I want to like hold hands and that sort of thing. And folks are like, 
I'm wrestling because I think I'm supposed to want to have sex with you, but I don't want to. Uh, we have a huge population of asexual students um, on our campus. And so if we're a microcosm of society, there are more asexual folks in our society than we are acknowledging. Um, we say things like sex is natural. Oh, you just haven't met the right person. Like all these things that I'm air quoting, you know, that, and we say things like that and we hurt people because folks are like, hey, I'm just not interested in sex, um, but I want to hold your hand. And we need to give more space to people to actually embrace that because that, that's valid. What I want for folks to understand is that the LGBTQA plus community at MSU and in the world is not a small community, right? Uh, we often get thought of as being like small or fringe or, you know, a population that is not worth recognizing because we, how many of us could there possibly be? And I've heard all of those things from people during the course of my career doing LGBTQA plus equity and inclusion work. And the thing is, we have new data, right? We have great new data from a Gallup poll, which is a nationally reputable, or nationally, which is a reputable national organization, right? Um, and it says that 16% of adult generation Z, so 18 to 23, is LGBTQA plus identified, 16%. That is not a small number, right? And when we start looking about at campus, 16% of our students is a lot of our students, right? In just plain numbers. And so I want folks to understand that we're not a small community, right? The other thing that I want folks to understand is that we're everywhere. And I don't say that to be creepy. Right. But I mean, we're actually everywhere. We are your neighbors. Right. We are, you know, on committees with you. We are your students. We're your faculty. We are just people in the world trying to live. We are parents. Right. We are clergy members. We are in every area of society um, and we are just trying to survive and have have good lives, right? Um, I think the jo running joke in our house is like the gay agenda is just about like, you know, paying our bills and like, you know, keeping our jobs sometimes. And I think that's true in some respects. I, I would also take full equality while we're at it, right? We are everywhere and LGBTQ inclusion, if we are everywhere on campus, LGBTQ inclusion has to be a part of every single person's job. Right. So it's not something that can be left to the LGBT Resource Center or the future Gender and Sexuality Campus Center. It's something that all faculty members have to take on, all staff in every position. Right. And that doesn't just mean directors and deans. Right. That means everybody from the person who, you know, swipes your card as you're getting food in one of the cafeterias to the person who helps you navigate a conduct case, to the person who investigates an OIE claim, to the person who, uh, you know, to use Oprah's uh, example earlier, you know, tells you how to get to the bathroom, right? And so all of this unlearning and learning about gender and sexuality is the work of every single Spartan and every single employee on this campus, right? Um, I would also say it's important for folks to understand that um, we are in a precarious political moment nationally, right? We have over 100 anti-LGBTQA plus bills that have been introduced in state legislatures. A lot of them are targeting trans women and girls in, in sports. A lot of them are around access 
to uh, transition related care for trans youth. And really they're causing a lot of harm. I get in this particular political moment, we need all the support we can get, especially for the most vulnerable populations within the LGBTQA plus communities, our trans youth, they need us. They need us more than they ever have before. Um, and we are called upon to protect them and to speak for them and to stand for them uh, because this isn't right. Students just wanna play sports. They just wanna survive. They just want access to trans-affirming, life-affirming medical care. How can one support a friend, coworker, or family member? Oh, I was just going to say, I think it's just super necessary at this time um, that it's important to practice act active mindfulness when it comes to people in the queer community. Um, instead of keeping us at the back of their mind, as in like, oh yeah, queer people exist. Um, instead, understanding that we we need a lot more when it comes to protection and when it comes to equal representation as well. So I think understanding um, or trying to continuously practice active mindfulness when it does come come to queer people is important when you do interact with them on a daily um, a daily basis. Yeah, I think my first thought was um, like I've heard people talk about. LGBTQ uh, communities as not being statistically viable. Um, I've, had, I've had that said to me. Um, and I think all of my students are very viable, are very important, are very, um, like that, it just didn't make sense to me. But um, so I, I'm thinking about how when, when folks are making choices about things that directly impact LGBTQ communities, um, within like, you know, larger general populations, they usually look at the, the highest numbers. They say, okay, well, there's all these people here and these people are benefiting greatly from this activity or from this resource. So then we're doing good and they check a box and they move on, but they don't look at how black trans people are experiencing this, this resource or this event, if they're showing up to it, if they are okay. Um, they're not looking at, you know, trans folks, lesbians, you know, and they're not looking at um, what they have decided is not statistically viable or not a critical mass. And so then we have all, so if we, what I would like for people to do when they wanna support LGBTQ communities is shift that. So instead of looking at, well, we have all these uh, white people, white women that are enjoying this event, start looking at how trans folks, trans women are, are experiencing the event, put them at the center. Put trans um, people of color at the center of your work, at, at the center of your um, event planning or resource planning, and everyone else will benefit. Like, it's not like those folks all of a sudden lose uh, access because you place pronouns on an, on an intake form. Um, you placing pronouns on an intake form takes nothing from a cisgender person who's like, pronouns are a given, right? Um, no, they're not a given. We shouldn't be attributing pronouns to people based on our own stuff. And so place the most marginalized folks, the folks at the margins of the margins, at the center of your work and your heart and build from there. And everyone else will benefit. Everyone else will uh, have a more rich dynamic experience with your event, with your resource, with your office. Um, but as soon as you exclude those people, you can't, it's, it's an uphill battle to fix inclusion after you've done so much exclusion. I loved it, Oprah. And you know, what you reminded me of is like one of the things we've been talking about a lot about the name change is that, you know, 
a thriving LGBTQA plus community at MSU is actually good for everyone, right? If our LGBTQA plus students, faculty, and staff are thriving here, then that means our campus is more likely to be a thriving campus, right? And being a, having access to education around gender and sexuality, programming on gender and sexuality, resources on gender and sexuality is actually in support of all Spartans, right? Because everyone can benefit from a happier, more whole, more active LGBTQA plus community, but also everyone can benefit from the education and the resources that come along with that. Suicide prevention is a key focus of the center. In our center, suicide prevention work is a cornerstone of our work. And that has to do with the fact that suicidality and self-harm numbers in the LGBTQA plus youth communities are very alarming. So to give you an idea of this, 41% of trans and gender non-conforming people have attempted suicide, right, during the span of their life. And that's compared to 4.6% of the general population and 10 to 12% of lesbian, gay, and bisexual folks. So 41%, that's it's quite high. There's certain studies um, that point to an even higher number than that. So if we're not doing suicide prevention work, then are we really doing the work of LGBTQA plus inclusion? We share this statistic in almost all of our educational programs because we want folks to understand really what's at stake. We also share two other statistics that come from the Trevor Project. And the first one is that transgender and non-binary youth who reported having their pronouns respected by all or most of the people in their lives attempted suicide at half the rate of those that did not have their pronouns respected, 50%, right? And the second statistic I want to share with you is that LGBTQ youth who report having at least one accepting adult were 40% less likely to report a suicide attempt in the past year. Now, for those of us who are educators, that is huge. What that means is that all of us have the opportunity to be that one accepting adult in our students' lives. And most of our students are adults, so they can be that one accepting adult in their peers' lives too, right? And so this becomes less of an impossible problem when we all realize that we can make a real difference in that one student's life by doing things like using their correct name and pronouns, right? Believing them when they tell us who they are, right? And not arguing, but just being like, I'm so glad you shared your name and pronouns with me. That's fantastic. And then using those things consistently when you refer to them, right? Um, it's a call to action for all of us because we can do better by our students, I think. There's also some really great data out there that shows the disparity between in mental health um, concerns for uh, transgender and cisgender youth levels out if transgender youth's parents are supportive of who they are, right? So some of the work that we all have to be doing is creating healthier, more accepting, more affirming families. And we have been moving into doing more of that work as a center as well, uh, because we are the primary resource on campus for LGBTQA plus everything, right? And so lots of parents come to us and say, hey, my kid came out as transgender what do I do? Um, and we do the best that we can <laughs> and refer people to as many resources as we can and share our own experiences. Um, but making sure that faculty and staff 
who, who you know, work, spend a lot of time at MSU, um, actually have the resources in their lives, not just for their jobs, but for their lives is also a part of our work, right? And it's becoming increasingly more a part of the demand that we are facing. And we are facing a very high level of demand for our resources and time, so. Which I think is a good thing. It indicates that diversity, equity, inclusion includes LGBTQA plus identity at MSU. It means that people are willing to do the work. It means that departments are noticing problems and they're bringing us in before bad things happen so that we can do culture change work, right? And we are a staff of three. And so unfortunately, we do have to turn people down sometimes because we just don't have the bandwidth to reach to meet all of the capacity between serving students and serving the greater MSU community. Students Valentine and Camille appreciate the leadership, counsel and direction the center offers and provides. It's such a big topic, like talking about how boards work with the center, because like so much of like being a student leader involved in so many different queer organizations is working with the center and like being able to like help plan events like we did for trans day of remembrance uh last semester being like using the center kind of as a conduit to contact other organizations that are focused on the same goals like the center kind of can facilitate a lot of that interaction but also like having a hub that exists like even though the entire campus essentially is virtual right now like still being able to have like this sense of community that is facilitated by the center like it it has really been like one of the highlights of my college experience honestly has been facilitated by the center um because like being able to access so many different people who I would never meet otherwise and do things that I would otherwise not get to do. And I have like so many different opportunities to thank the center for, like in terms of leadership and professional development and things like that as well. Like it's, it's absolutely essential, I think, to my college experience as a trans person, but I'm also certain that it is to so many other queer people is like a cornerstone of the way we experience the university. Yeah, I completely agree. The center really does act um, as a bridge that does in fact bridge the gap between all these different other queer organizations that are on campus. Um, it really is like a hub or like the home where people kind of do their business out of. Um, and I feel like without the center, you know, we just have a lot of kids just running around with their head off, heads cut off like chickens because the, really, the center really does offer us direction um, where we are going when it comes to organizing, when it comes to politics, when it comes to, you know, just having fun and understanding that, you know, it's, it's important and it's okay to take a deep breath and to breathe and to relax and all of those great things that are a result, um, not only of the center, but the people who work there as well, because the center would be nowhere without Morgan, Oprah, or Jesse, like, honestly. Um, so I, I really do think um, the center is necessary. I think the name change is necessary because um, it also offers um, a new step in the direction of um, becoming a more united front on campus, um, not only with like, you know, the queer orgs on campus, but also like the typical, the typical like hetero clubs on campus as well. 
um, because it's just kind of saying like, we can, we are all going through the struggle. So why don't we just go through it together? Like, why can't we support each other in the way that we need to? So, um, yeah, we're making good progress and we're making good strides. So I'm just excited to see what, um, the rest of 2021 looks like, um, as well as 2022. Something that you said in there about support as well is like the center does so much like empowerment for students, like giving students the information and resources that we need to like go forth and make the changes that we want to see in the university. Like I would not be able to do half as much of the activism as I have, if it weren't for like Jesse, Oprah and Morgan's help in like figuring out who we need to talk to the kinds of things we're capable of the resources. We're going to need things like that. Um, it's great. I love the center a lot. <laughs> Our students are at the center of everything that we do and we do everything for them, right? Like everything we do is an act of love, whether it's meeting with uh, university leadership or um, putting together 50 packages for graduates and sending it to their houses so that everyone can have their rainbow tassels in time for lavender reception or, you know, hosting events that no one shows up to, but they're so glad we hosted them anyway. We love that too, right? Everything we do is because our students deserve the very best and we are doing our very best to make sure that they know exactly how awesome they are. With that said, I will also say our staff is incredible. I feel very, very lucky to work with Morgan and Oprah every single day. In summary, Jesse Beal says, On July 1st, we will become the Gender and Sexuality Campus Center. This name change is important to us because it is more inclusive, it is more current, and most importantly, it's what students wanted. So we're entering this new time at MSU, this time of great promise for LGBTQ inclusion with a new name. And we're so excited uh, to be doing this with and for our students. I'm Russ White. This is MSU Today.